Welcome to Catholics Coast to Coast, your chance to get a little sample of the great podcast available at EWTNradio.net. Just simply go to our Podcast Central location, and you can hear not only great podcasts you can take all week long, but share with your friends, your social media, and also be encouraged in your Catholic faith. I'm Ace Wickay, and this week as we celebrate Fathers being Father's Day, we jump right into pre-Cana with the Pope. Today's episode shares how parents are dealing with Pride Month, how you can best parent, and also with cultural shifts that we continue to see. We're going to find out more about how preparing your kids can make the difference in understanding that others believe differently than them. So we jump into Pre-Cana with the Pope on this week's Catholics Coast to Coast. You're listening to Pre-Cana with the Pope, a podcast aimed at restoring confidence in marriage and family life. Hey there, everyone. This is Monica, and welcome to episode 71 of Pre-Cana with the Pope. In today's episode, we discuss how we're raising our kids in today's culture. Together, we talk about what foundations we are laying through honest conversation, why we don't do the tooth fairy, and how critical it is for your kids to see you kiss each other. We're so happy you're here with us. Let's jump in. back with another episode of pre cana with the pope mm-hmm. your favorite <laughs> Sorry. i like it no it's fine <laughs> just distracting from my script that i'm not reading uh your favorite marriage and family podcast and we're here we're here for another one i'm ready are you i don't know i'm mm-hmm. i'm saying are it. you ever ready i'm ready um so we, this is a requested topic we got from 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 a uh a beloved couple, but I think this is something that no, two couples, two couples asked for this. Yeah, they talked and then said, "Oh, we you're right, you're right, you're right." I've been talking about this. Two couples, and so we do take listener requests. Um, it it helps if you live in the same town that we do, but uh, <laughs> but we do take listener requests. So or you, you have our cell phone number. Yeah. So well, we're not giving that out. Um, but if you ever want to, honestly, like. Instagram is the same as texting us because mm-hmm. whatever. But if you want to, if you have, if there's ever a topic you want us to address it uh, specifically, uh, feel free to send us a message and say, "Hey, we, we would love to hear you guys have a conversation about this." Um, I hope that the reason we were asked to talk about it isn't just because like we're going to give advice, but more of talk about like talk through this <laughs> process, topic. this topic. Yeah. Um, so, and, and um, again, I hope I put something catchy and grabby. In the title, we'll see what it what, what it we'll see what what it comes out to. But um, before we even start the conversation, I think it's worth just so that like we don't end up muddying anything that we end up saying later. Um, we both believe in the teachings of the Magisterium, and we adhere to the teachings of the Magisterium, and we believe that and we support it. Um, so just don't get it twisted. <laughs> That's what we believe. Um, but I think that. It's important. That's an important thing to establish in the conversation because I think a lot of what we're going to say is going to sound confusing to people. Mm-hmm. Um, if you want to know where we stand in the in the, it, like if you want to hear us have a more in depth conversation about any type of pride or LGBTQ uh, discussion, we have an earlier episode from last year with Kim Zember, Kim Zember um, and I think it's a great conversation to have mm-hmm. or to listen to and to to just to get more of a better idea of what the Catholic church teaches. Like we're not going to talk about that today. Like Mm -hmm. that's not what this episode's about. Like we're not here to teach and preach. We're here to discuss and wrestle 
yeah, and process and, and yeah. bounce back and forth. And yeah. Yeah. So I would say, yeah, that was a great episode. Thank you, Kim, for oh, joining I us. I say for that, that was a great intro. No. You're welcome. That was a, that was a good job, babe. Good intro. Thank but yeah, you. that conversation with Kim was great. Um, I feel like I, I learned so much from that and I mm-hmm. learned so much from reading her book as well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's a lot more of like where, where the church stands on things and how to like practice that in your own adult life and, um, yeah. And just how to love one another and live the gospel. Mm-hmm. Good stuff there. Yep. Um, so the, the main premise of the question and, and like, I'm going to try to summarize it in like one question. Cause, um, what we were asked to talk about is like a very big all encompassing thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but specifically we were asked like, how are you raising your kids? given the current cultural climate, mm-hmm. right? Um, specifically, because like there's a lot of things that are being taught by the culture, and you can say like it could be LGBTQ stuff, it could be any type of, um, it's like there's a lot of nuance to the conversation. So even yeah. like if I say BLM, like not not the sentence, I, I like, so there's an influencer. This is, this is what's great about ADHD. So like <laughs> I will make connections to make things make sense. So there's an influencer, there's a Christian influencer, he's out in California, he runs a podcast called The it's Bless God Studios. He's also like a hip hop artist. His name is Ruslan. Seems like a really cool guy. Uh, well, so I tend I follow him to see like what's was he the guy with the glasses that like sits back and is like no that's no. Matt Fred no I'm kidding <laughs> 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 I'm kidding no no it's not him okay and it's not Matt Fred because you sent me. You sent me the other guy. Maybe he, you know, maybe he did have glasses, but that was probably a style thing where like okay. they don't have any lenses. Yeah, no, they were like sunglasses or like oh, maybe funky, it was him. like rimmed glasses. Yeah, no. So, but he's okay. really good because he's super up to date. Like that's how I follow pop culture, honestly. Because like he, <laughs> us Catholic influencers are really slow. <laughs> the, yeah, the Catholic people. Oh my gosh, Matt Fraz talking about things like two months old. Come on, man. No, so and he's also younger than me, so like I keeps me hip. Um, what was I saying? Not Matt Fred. This other. Not guy. Matt Fred. No, 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 no. That's not Matt Fred. No, but this. So he's. Oh, he was talking about. So like he he taught, likes to talk about the similar subject, and he said he made a distinction about the um, BLM Black Lives Matter movement. He's like, there's different between the sentiment Black Lives Matter and the and the organization Black yeah. Lives Matter. Yeah. So um so like that's one of the distinctions he made. So I was like, I appreciated that. So I kept it in my Rolodex in my head. Um, so like, so in terms of our cultural climate, like there's that, there's the, the BL, BLM stuff. There's just a lot of political things out there now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I Even think our own town is going through this, like right. and, political craziness with the board of ed and banning, right. books, and banning and books and challenging and like books that. or whatever term you want to use. I, yeah. Yes. And, and, and so there's, there's, I think there's a few conversations that we could have and hopefully we could are able to have all of them. We have all the time in the world. <laughs> um, but Stick I think, us, guys. I think a lot of. Catholics who are part of the, oh, what's it, what's it called? The, the, I forgot what the phrase is. Like when you make fun of how like extreme the left and the right are, and we're part of the, we're part of the, the something middle. I forgot what it's called. I'm, I'm, oh, I don't know. The reasonable middle, whatever. So like there's a lot of Catholics who like who are in, in the middle and who feel like I don't believe in extreme one yep. way or the other. Yep but I want to be faithful to, to our faith yep. and I don't know how to go about that. But like all I hear are the extreme sides yes. because that's what's 
post it on social media. That's because those are things that you can say in a sentence versus having a dialogue, a conversation, because the reasonable middle is, is this right now, right? right. Like that's, mm-hmm. that, that's the whole point of this long form podcasting, right? Yeah. As opposed to just a, so thanks for clicking on our clickbait episode yeah. title, but here, here no, and, comes and, and we'll get into things eventually. We're just, we're revving up. Um, but so like one thing I was thinking about while thinking about maybe one day having this conversation on a podcast was one, and maybe this is unique to us and maybe unique to me, but like, mm-hmm. I've never been specifically persecuted for my faith, mm-hmm. right? I've never, you know, and I've up until the last year and a half, well, and you can push back on this. Like this is part of the podcast pushback. Okay. But like, um, and not, not so let me, like I'll explain a little bit more. So right now I work for a Catholic organization I've worked there for a year and a half. Prior to that, I worked in the secular world. Like mm-hmm. I, I worked in, and healthcare in healthcare and, and, um, not Catholic, not religious or anything. And, and people knew that I was Catholic. They knew that I was a youth minister. They knew that I, you know, that I wrote a book that I was very faithful. Like they, I, not that I wore my Catholicism on my sleeve for any, any, um, stretch of the imagination, but it was more of, I, I did youth ministry and mm-hmm. then I posted on Facebook and like, I had a lot of kids. So like, there's just like, Oh, you're super <laughs> Catholic. Um, and there was people that a lot of coworkers I interacted with who believe very differently than I did very, very differently. Like there was, I, I don't think anybody agreed with any, any of my views, but I was never called out for that. Like mm. No one ever treated me differently. Never, ever, ever treated me poorly. Mm-hmm. Um, I never felt like I I couldn't live out the way I did. The only thing that people would call me out for, which is the most bizarre thing in the world, was how much sex we had because <laughs> of the amount of kids we had. Yeah. So like, so and it's the it drives me nuts. And this is what I thought is like, before you get married, you get made fun of for not having enough sex, mm-hmm. and then after you're married, you're like, why are you having so much sex and having kids? Like, okay, what do you want from yeah, me? Yeah. I don't understand. Yeah. Um, but I thought it was so good no? that I should be having it a lot before. Yeah. No, so yeah. No. So that was the those were that was probably the only thing that people and people had no qualms bringing oh, it up my either, goodness. which is so fun. And I'm my, sure you experienced similar things. Oh yeah. In, in my favorite was after that basketball game, one of the other coaches you were coaching with was like, "You guys do watch t- or do you own a TV?" And I was like, "Listen, if you enjoy watching TV more than you enjoy that, then you're doing it wrong." And then. <laughs> that shut him down right please don't ask me inappropriate questions anymore (laughs) but but it's yeah and i think and maybe maybe it'd be different if i went now but like i i you know i worked through healthcare through the elections 2016 right in 2020 elections like i you worked through covid the first year of covid and people knew my faith they knew i i because i'm catholic i'd probably be leaning conservative because of abortion things Mm -hmm. and like that was never I was never persecuted or ostracized or anything like that for it, which I think is how, and maybe I'm wrong. Maybe mm-hmm. that, but like, again, where we live, mm-hmm. we're not in Texas, yeah. right? And maybe I'm wrong, but I'm, and even other people outside of our church community, like they know where, what we believe mm-hmm. and, and they're not treating us one a different yeah. way and we're not treating them differently. Yep. And I, I do believe that most people yep. are in the middle yep. and they're kind <laughs> live, yep. and yep. they're kind. And I think that's, I think that gets lost a lot out yes. there because like we see so much social media. I think a lot of even these, even us or even the other kind people on, on whatever side, they forget they're not influencers. So when they post a thing angrily, like it's only your Facebook friends saying yeah. that, like, like there's no, yeah. there's no reason to do that. Um, yeah. It's just, it's, it's very, it's an interesting dynamic where I think 
we think the world is worse than it is yeah. because we're so we're, we have feelers way further than we're supposed to. Yeah. Yeah, and we're hearing and seeing these these short again, these short snippets that are not full conversations. They're not actually real life. Like, yeah, we um and I think sometimes too like you may even you who are listening may have a perception of us because we homeschool our kids and we're Catholic and things like that, but like our our kids are involved in like public sports and a lot of things and you know, they people know that our kids don't go to school or that you know, that we're Catholic because they're, we're friends with the other moms and dads on, on Facebook and stuff like that. So they can see that we posted first communion pictures or Easter pictures or whatever. And, um, I mean, that's just not brought up in soccer sideline conversation, but like mm-hmm. we all get along, we're all hanging out and I don't really know how you feel about some things and you don't know how I feel about some things, but we're mm-hmm. all here having a good time. And mm-hmm. I think, yeah, day to day that, um, these like big pushes for huge, um, I don't know, just these huge topics like polar polarized topics can, um, can feel bigger than they are in the, in the, in the day to day, in the lived experience. Yeah. And I think a lot of Catholics have the question of like, how do I raise my kid now? Like there's all these things being pushed on your kids. One, I I would question like how much of it is actually being pushed and how much of it is because of media and social Mm -hmm. media and everything. Um, but number two, I, you're asking me this question so people have like they're asking us yes right so you're asking if you're asking monica and renzo um the next question i would ask like why are you afraid i would want to know why you're afraid and then i would want to know are you viewing it from a christian perspective because if you're anything that's happening in the world or any relationship you have viewed through a christian perspective should be seen as as um like you are a missionary right Mm -hmm. the 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 um the great commissioning from Jesus of, of go then and make disciples of all nations, baptizing the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Like that's, that's for us. And, and, and again, now, now, now I'm take. I went from Ruslan from this, this hip hop artist <laughs> yeah. in California to, to Sherry Waddell. But one of Sherry, my favorite lines from Sherry Waddell to never accept a label in place of a story. Um, and one of the, one of the, um, I love that line. And it's a line that I remind myself of when I think of like all these things that are happening around us. Cause what, what we tend to do is label mm-hmm. our enemies, right? We start like, Oh, I'm gonna get you're against me. You're against me. You're against me. And like, we are then talking past each other and we don't care about any of the stories. Mm-hmm. Like pe- there's a reason people are attracted to a specific thing. There's a reason that people are, are want a certain thing to be done. Mm-hmm. And when we just label them as, as, Oh, they're the other, they're the other side. They're, they're, you know, they're, they're, they're bad for my kid. They're bad yeah. for my family. Then we're losing the ability to share the gospel because yeah. we don't care about them. Anymore. Yeah. Yeah. When we start to feel in opposition to other humans, like other people around us in our community, in our circle, or even just like, yeah, even farther stretching. And we then categorize them we place them in a box we we label them we name them then yeah of course it's us versus them and them is this like nebulous amoeba instead of a human person right and and they have come to the conclusions that they've come to for so many reasons right for and that's the, that's their story, their upbringing, their personal experiences, the people that they're around, the people that they love, whether or not they've ever encountered encountered Jesus or the gospel, or if they have, how was that done? You know, like so many of us have 
have religious wounds, right, from our upbringing and experience in church or lack of and things. So I think, yeah, when we just minimize or isolate one opinion that a person holds and makes that their identity, then we've completely missed the opportunity to ever form a relationship, like a real relationship with them. Right. One of my favorite, I'm all over the place today, ladies and gentlemen, one of my favorite articles, and I'm going to link to it in the show notes. um, I read in college and like this. So before I get there, one thing that we forget is like that this culture war thing that we are in has been happening forever. Mm -hmm. And like, I remember in college how things were tense then like things are tense now. Things are always going to be tense. And, Mm -hmm. um, Again, I think a lot of it's pushed by by our perception of of, of the world um, and of media. But uh, the article I read was by Peter Kraft, and it's called "How to Win the Culture War." And it it was it's like one of those motivating. It was super motivating to read. And at the end of it, like I just wanted to be a saint mm. because like it, it he put everything back in perspective. And I'm gonna kind of spoil the article. I still recommend that I want to read it. I love the it. way he writes. Oh, now. he's he right? Yeah, yeah. Since I was reading. I was not into it when I was in college, probably when you read it and yes. suggested I read it, but I love Peter no, Kreef he's, now. He's so, he's very, very good. Um, but so basically like he, the way he summarizes the article is, is um, in the articles, how to win the culture war, which I think is very, very, very relevant today and very relevant to where we are at the moment with what we're saying. But he talks about how we are at war, mm-hmm. um, but we need to know our enemy mm. and we need to know our weapons. Oh. So he talks, he's very good. He's, he's, he's much better than me. Yeah. Um, so but he talks about how the, the reality that we are at war and like that's, that's something that's, that, that like even like Christ talks about and, and Christ and, and Christ is it, him coming to save us from our sins and save us from the evil one. Like that's part of the battle. Um, but then he talks about in, in particular for our conversation right now, he talks about who are our enemies and he goes by and lists all of our potential enemies. And he's like, and he says, it's not the Protestants. And he gives a reason why it's not the Protestants, yeah. it's not the Jews. Why it's not the Jews. It's not Muslims. The reason why it's Muslims. It's not Mormons, Jehovah's Witnesses. It's not liberals. It's not anti-Catholics. He goes through every single yeah. category of person. And then he, um, he quotes St. Paul saying, we wrestled not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers of the, of wickedness in high places. Mm. Like our battle is against the devil and the evil one. Um, and the people that, that the people that we argue, we interact with, that we disagree with every Mm -hmm. day, like those are people that are beloved by God. Mm -hmm. And those are souls that, that those souls with stories, right. That, that, that have eternal souls and, and, Mm-hmm. Our, our desire to be saved by Christ and like we are the hands and feet of Christ that are supposed yeah. to help with that. Um, and I think so easily we can forget that and then yes. just label them as like, you guys are wrong. And and that's the thing is like, that's, that's the evil one winning yes. when we see evil in another person instead of seeing evil as evil, mm-hmm. right? And like, because then we're just going to be shooting and missing the actual target because, and I think one thing that, that I loved what, you were saying and what he's what you're summarizing that he said is because we we know that there's something wrong with some of these things right there's something like there's something de- evil there's something it, evil and deeply rooted and there and it needs to be it needs to be addressed and we want our we don't want evil for our children we don't want evil in our home and things like that so like I think that that is affirming because it's not like, oh, kumbaya, everything no, right. is fine. You're overreacting, chill a little bit. Mm-hmm. Just everybody hug and it'll be fine. Like, no, we're, we're not saying that either, but we have to, we have to know, we, we have to know that we're in battle. Okay. And then 
who are we fighting? What are we fighting with? You know, and mm -hmm. oh man, that's a great way. Right. Who are our enemies? And like in keeping that in perspective, because I think it's so easy Ooh. to fall into the like, yeah, anyone who disagrees with me is my enemy, yeah. which then we accuse, then we could accuse other sides of doing the same thing, regardless right. of where you're on the aisle. You're like, oh, the other side just, they're just bigoted. Like you both believe that. Yeah. And neither is your enemy. They're right. supposed to be your brother. Right. But, um, and then he goes, and then the last part is he talks about the weapons that we're supposed to be using. Mm. Um, and this line, so he just says, um, and thus we have, our third necessary thing, the weapon that we will win the war to defeat our enemy. And then he says, all it takes is saints. And like, it's very mm -hmm. convicting. Cause again, like we can look at, and I, you know, I trust, I, I like most of Matt Frad's stuff. I like mm -hmm. a majority of his stuff and I would love to have a conversation with him. It doesn't have to be recorded. If it is, it's great. Like I, I like, I think he's great. He's helped me so much in my life. So like, Flip I'm not, book. it's not a criticism of him because it's, it's more of like the, the, the trend of, a more yeah. traditional Catholicism at the moment, but um, to win the culture war, it's not going to be who get who makes the better video that gets the most views that can that can you know really hit back on, yeah. on where popular culture is going. Like no, the 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 war will be won by us becoming saints, yeah, and and living as saints, and that's a I think that's harder to do than well, making a good YouTube video is very hard. That is, make, make, the, that is very hard this to do. That is very hard to do. That's why we don't Growing have YouTube, YouTube right now. No, We're no. currently in our pajamas, guys. No, no, we, <laughs> and I, I promised, like, what, two months ago we were going to do it, and we yeah, haven't done it yet. We are not. We, one day, one day. But but even harder than that is is becoming saints. And then yes. talk, but, but I think that's... And we can't just talk about becoming saints. No. We actually have to do that. Right, like, we like, actually have to live that. But like, but, like, being able to love our neighbor the way that that St. John Paul did or the way that Mother Teresa did like and and thinking of like them being able to experience Christ through us in such a in such a way that can be transforming like that could that could mm -hmm. really help other people mm -hmm. and that's to me that's a goal of mine I'm such a curmudgeon though so like I'm <laughs> way far from that goal um, but being able to love others in that way yeah. that that can be transforming like that makes a big difference um, man but well, you gotta read that the, you gotta read the I'm, end of it because like I'm he just hits he it. just hits people with a he he like i'm pretty sure it's a fake story that he wrote just for this part but he hits people he with a story he's, and he's really good he's he's and it just it it, it really it he's slaps, a future saint. as the children say well and you know what's interesting is like i mean you listed saint john paul the great and mother Teresa, which is obviously saints of our time that everybody knows things that they've done but i was just reading um in the columbia magazine the story of father amal capon mm -hmm. who's Servant of, Servant of God, thank you. Um, his story. Or is he venerable? I, I actually think, don't know. He I think he's venerable. venerable now. Okay. Anywho. This man who was a he was a prisoner of war in the Korean War. And um so what was amazing to me was kind of like the story of how his body was um found and identified. So he was it, come to find out he was not buried in a mass grave. He was buried in like a smaller section and people were able to go find his body. Link to the video in the show notes. Okay, great. Um, long story short, the reason why they were able to identify his body though, is that someone who was in, who was a prisoner of war with him survived, came home, um, has been living in the United States again. His really old, but like saw, something about him and was like, no, I know that guy. And he did all these things for me. And then like 
went through all the channels to find his body. And then now like wow. now going through the church to, um, cause he's like, no, I know this guy. I buried him. Mm. <laughs> and I buried him here and could tell like where he was buried and stuff. Wow. And it's like, that's sainthood though. Like that's the impact of like to remember somebody decades later for the positive impact that they had mm-hmm. in bringing you to Jesus, like in war, like when you're in survival mode, right? Like severe, like the most extreme version of survival mode. And like he led you to Jesus instead of like running away in fear because like I'm crumbling, the world is crumbling. And again, like that sainthood and it had nothing to do with like, what were your political views and what were, you know, like it was, I was loved in this way and I was loved this way because he loved Jesus and Jesus loved him. And so mm-hmm. therefore that's what I want. Yeah. And um, yeah. And like led him to the sacrament. Like, I'm not saying that the, again, this isn't like love is love and love, love, love. Like well, that's why it's was, like led yeah. him to the sacraments, led him to confession and receiving the Eucharist and desiring communion, you know, all these things. Mm-hmm. So. Well, I thought that's why it's important to like say at the beginning, like we believe the magisterium because a lot of the things we just said could seem like, does that mean you're endorsing everything? No, it doesn't. No. But we're also not, we also don't want to get to the point that we're so afraid to step out our front door because people believe differently than mm-hmm. us. Or I don't know how to act when people are differently. Like mm-hmm. you you do, you're, you've been given the gospel and you've mm-hmm. been called to be a saint and, and yeah. this is what saints do. Um, but I do think that people would, we would be remiss if we didn't give any practical advice. Mm-hmm. Look at me saying practical advice. Yeah. So, so, cause we're aware that, that, people around us believe differently. And again, about so many different things. Like yes. people believe differently than us about a lot of stuff that has nothing to do with faith. Yes. Right. right. So like, I just, this is just, <laughs> we're so, a sports loving family and a lot right. of people don't agree that that's right. where priority so, like, should this lie. Is, this is just like, this is just like a, 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 I guess like a, how to prepare your kids for people to think differently than mm-hmm. them. Right. And, yeah. um, and also like the idea of shepherd parenting, I think is important too. Oh, good one. Yeah. I remember that. Um, but like, so I, so for you can use what we're going to talk about in this part as like what you could do if you're afraid that your child's going to be exposed to a particular mm. thing. Um, but we really, I think we, we kind of lay this foundation for like everything that our, that our kids might encounter. Cause I think our job as parents is to prepare them to encounter things, yep. right? Age appropriate. Yep. Um, or maybe like a little bit above their age appropriateness. Yep. Um, but again, like I think, preparing our kids is better than just sheltering them. Yep. Um, so we're not here in our house, like like sheltering them from all the things out there because we're afraid that they're going to ex- be exposed and see that's yeah. a thing. Um, again, from Ruslan. I'm going to link to this just so you guys okay. see. But so there's a big controversy right now with The Chosen. Did you hear about it? No. Oh, of course, you don't follow Ruslan. Well, you follow the guy with glasses. Just leans back. <laughs> I don't follow him either. I just look at the stuff you send me. <laughs> it's not Matt Pratt. Um, <laughs> I, I, I know what Matt Pratt looks like. <laughs> but um, so there's it just it just it just released today. But there's a controversy with the chosen because um, on Twitter, I think they they showed a video of like the set of like mm-hmm. a, a scene. And one of the actors had a, or one of the crew members had a pride flag mm. in the scene. Mm-hmm. So people are like up in arms, like, oh my goodness, is the chosen affirming? Is, you know, why are they allowing all? The, well, mm-hmm. So, number one. Sorry, my my eye blinking and eye rolling. Well, no, yeah, you, you were like. <laughs> Made you interrupt yourself. Well, more, more, because, like, yes, people need to chill. Yeah. Um, and, and basically, 
the reality is that the chosen in the in the in most orthodox christians are supporting that like the chosen is a show about jesus but it's not made by christians mm-hmm. like there's the the majority of the leadership is christian but mm-hmm. like not every single person on staff is christian mm-hmm. not every single person needs to be held to christian standards mm-hmm. they're working on a show and they're trying to put the best product out there the reality is that most christian studios don't and can't like the, the non-christians can be talented too right can, right can so produce, like yes yeah. and they can produce good things and they can do things well and they don't necessarily have to believe everything the church teaches right. um so it's like also not a catholic show right so well but even even if it's just it's a christian show but like it's not this person whomever the flag belongs mm-hmm. to doesn't have to be christian and and that's the thing I don't want our kids one day to be of just be like, oh my goodness, mm-hmm. like there's somebody who like there's a flag. Oh my, what do I do? Like, yeah, relax, okay, yeah. right. So this person probably believes that, like, okay, and yeah. and get to know them. I don't know, like, yeah. if you're interacting with the work, or you like, if if you have nothing to do with them, you don't have to do anything about yep. it. Just keep walking, right, and keep doing your job, whatever. But. Yeah. um but it was just, it's interesting, the backlash, because a lot of people are just very anti, are so anti, or are so afraid that there's any type of affirmation happening that they mm-hmm. want to either boycott the chosen altogether, mm-hmm. or demanding the person be fired. Mm-hmm. Very, and it, it's kind of like, you don't, you realize people like this exist, that that they're not trying to shove anything down your throat, they're just, this is just, this is how they believe and live their lives. Mm-hmm. And... I don't know. I just feel like it's, yeah. an, it's an overreaction. Yes. And I don't want our kids to get to that point either. Yeah. Helping to understand the cultural shifts we're seeing lately, Precana with the Pope. If you want to hear the entire podcast or you want to see future or upcoming episodes you don't want to miss out, go to our Podcast Central section at EWTNRadio.net. I'm Ace McKay. When we come back from the break, Catholics Coast to Coast giving us a dive into one of our newest podcast a reason for hope and this week it's diving deep into the authentic need for catholic schools and the importance of catholic education so we'll help you out this father's day as we dive right in coming up next on catholics coast to coast if it's central to the faith you can find it on EWTN Podcast Central, featuring the best of EWTN Radio, as well as faith-filled podcasts from our friends and affiliates across the nation, all in one place, all free. The destination for great Catholic audio programming is EWTN Podcast Central. It's like podcast heaven. Visit EWTN.com slash radio slash podcasts today. I know. Hello and welcome back to A Reason for Hope. I'm your host, Mario Costabile, and I am excited that you're here listening. Let's pray together that this podcast offers you some hope and a better understanding of what we believe as Catholics. Our podcast has grown so much over the past three years, and we're always trying to record different topics that are relevant and what you guys really want to hear. So to help us, send us your ideas and email them to podcast at arrayofhope.net. Also, if you're on Spotify mobile, swipe up while you're listening and take the Spotify exclusive poll. Knowing your faith, is that important? I believe so. Is Catholic education important? It does provide us with the invaluable opportunity to expand people's knowledge 
explore their passions, create community, strengthen their sense of self, and to come to know God all in one place. I mean, that seems like a great situation for me. I personally didn't go to any kind of Catholic school, but I wish I did. To be in an environment where a person can learn as well as be formed, I believe this combination will serve the future church very well. We're going to talk about what Catholic education looks like today with our guest, the president of Franciscan University, Father David Pavanka. This is going to be great. It's going to be exciting. So sit back and relax and welcome to A Reason for Hope. And here we go. How are you doing today? Pretty good, actually. It's the end of the school year. Ah, That's always exciting. Yeah. I love teaching and I love my students, but I also love June, July, and I August. I bet you do. <laughs> Some good time off. That's, uh, it's great. Yeah. The homeschool year is wrapping up too, so the kids are excited at home. Nice. To be finishing up, so it's going to be great. Good nice, summer. Nice, nice. You know, for me, uh, my daughter just finished her freshman year at the University of Scranton, so that was really exciting for us. And your son too, right? Just yep. finished up? Yep, just finished up at Franciscan. Wow. He had a, a good year. I told him we have a pretty exciting guest for the podcast today. Wow. So I'm sure he's pretty psyched about wow. that. Wow, yeah, that's right. I mean, our guest today is Father David Pavanka, who is the president of Franciscan University in Steubenville. And we talked about a lot of things. We talked about his life. We talked about his calling to the priesthood, his love for Steubenville, but also discussed his vision and the mission of a Catholic school. I mean, it's really informative. It's really awesome that he got to be with us. And I can't wait because I want to hear what he has to say, obviously, as the president of my son's school. <laughs> yeah, it would be important to you. So, Dave, many people really don't know that the church has some very clear ideas about what the mission of a Catholic school is. You want to share what that is and sure. what your thoughts are? Well, St. John Paul II issued an apostolic constitution entitled Ex Corde Ecclesiae. That means from the heart of the church. Mm -hmm. And he did that in 1990. And in that document, he set forth with real clarity, uh, the institutional commitments and essential characteristics of a Catholic university precisely as Catholic. Oh. The, the operative question is, what makes a Catholic school Catholic? A good Catholic school will be distinguished from a bad one by these particular characteristics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is very important because I don't really think many Catholic schools pay attention to what that you document <laughs> actually says. Uh, and I'm sure a lot of people seeking a good edu education for the kids really don't know what to look for. No, I don't, I don't think they know what to look for either. I know Father Dave takes this seriously, right. you know. Right. Now, I actually think that this document is even more relevant today than it was back in 1990 when, mm. when John Paul II wrote it. And I'm just going to highlight a few different parts of it. For example... It states that Catholic theology must be taught in a manner faithful to Scripture, tradition, and the Church's magisterium. That institutional fidelity includes recognition of and adherence to the teaching authority of the Church in matters of faith and morals. And that Catholic teaching and discipline are to influence all university activities. Now, th that all is pretty profound. It is. But... But unfortunately, you won't find it at a lot of Catholic schools. <laughs> I'm just going to say, does it really exist? Right. So think about that. Catholic teaching is supposed to permeate 
supposed to touch every aspect of the school, the decisions that the administration makes, the speakers that come in, Mm. um, the approach to even teaching the subjects that it teaches. While each academic discipline will retain its own integrity and obviously has its own methods, all Catholic teachers are supposed to be faithful to, and all other teachers who aren't Catholic who happen to be there are to respect Catholic doctrine and morals in their research and teaching. So, for example, if somebody's teaching English, they can't be teaching things in the English class that are contradictory of the church's teaching or the church's approach to even understanding the world. That also touches upon things like uh, areas of research in science or, or the way it a school might approach its psychology program or sociology program or anthropology program. All of those areas are areas that are very susceptible to whatever is faddish today or the current, um, the current ideology or thinking on things as opposed to really seeking the truth about the human person. I think it's very important that those vulnerable areas are approached in a, in a Catholic way. Mm-hmm. So, The question is, is what is taught across all subjects, like English, psychology, all the programming that is done, like any diversity, equity, and inclusion programming or student clubs, are they consonant with the teaching of the Catholic Church? And if not, the school is sowing confusion and not clarity and really isn't doing the job it's supposed to be doing as a Catholic school. So a Catholic school shouldn't become a platform for woke ideas. It shouldn't become a platform for so many of the errors that we find in our world today with regards to what it means to be a human person, the areas of sexuality, gender, you name it. And yet, unfortunately, so many schools do become such a platform. And even Catholic schools have bought into all of that, that it's important for parents to be aware that their kids are really going to get something consonant with Catholic teaching. Mm. Now, the Catholic school is supposed to also be an ever more effective instrument of cultural progress for individuals as well as for society. And this is accomplished by studying serious contemporary problems so as to discover their roots and causes with a specific priority to examine and evaluate the predominant values and norms of modern society and culture in a Christian perspective and a responsibility to communicate to society those ethical and religious principles which give full meaning to human life. So, in other words, as society grows more secular and the culture moves away from Christ, and so many ideologies bubble up that are actually in opposition to the church's understanding of the human person and moral values, well, it's essential for a Catholic school to be true to this mission in order to be able to evangelize the culture and sanctify the world, to be able to bring the truth of the human person into the public forum so that everybody can live an authentically full life, which these other ideologies actually don't enable the human person to do. So if the school is going to really be that witness, is really going to be able to affect the culture, is really going to try to help all persons live an authentically full human life. Well, it's, it's got to be teaching the truth in the school 
so that that's what is brought into the public forum. Now, with this said, uh, one of the things that Ex Cordia Ecclesiae also emphasizes is that relationship between faith and reason. And I think that's also something very important, especially when you're going to dialogue you know, in the public forum, because not everybody's going to be coming from what God has revealed in Scripture and tradition. However, God has also given us reason, and reason is a way to the truth, even if not the full truth, which we need revelation for. And the Lord has written his law into our hearts, the natural law. And so there's a way to engage with the culture that starts from just what we all have in common, presumably, with which is reason. Although, if you listen to a lot of people in our culture, you would question that statement, whether or not that is something we have in common. But nonetheless, uh, we're supposed to have it mm-hmm. in common. You know, all truth points to God, who is the truth, right? So a Catholic school should be a place where truth is sought, is spoken, and is promoted. I mean, Jesus said he's the truth and that the truth would set us free. Uh, and, and it's funny, I love this one line in Ex Corde Ecclesiae. It says that we need the courage to speak uncomfortable truths which do not please public opinion, but which are necessary to safeguard the authentic good of society. And I Mm -hmm. think if you think about the culture we live in now, we need that courage more than ever. And that's the kind of courage that should be instilled in students that go to an authentically Catholic school. So, you know, in a a world where everybody is afraid of being canceled and people don't want to talk about the most important issues facing our times because they're afraid to do so, a Catholic school should be a space where we can talk about this with clarity, with charity and compassion, and be able to learn how to bring the truth into the world. So Ex Corte Ecclesiae is a really important document to to help guide Catholic schools. And even in my work as the director of mission and ministry at the school I teach at, um, when I was in that role for some 20 years, when I was in charge of helping to train new teachers, I tried to apply the principles of Ex Corte Ecclesiae to a high school setting. It's written for universities, but I would argue that it needs to be adapted and brought to a high school setting because truthfully, on, on a lesser level, that's what a high school should be doing as well, a Catholic mm-hmm. high school, to be an authentically Catholic well, school. Even in a grammar school, right? Right. You know? Absolutely. Yeah. Well, on that level, of course, you might yeah, not be yeah. dealing quite in the same way with some of the world's stuff, but I mean, let's face it. The stuff they're trying to teach to five-year-olds now, so, yeah. it's crazy. So, like, yeah, I mean, across the board. So, I just love, you know, St. John Paul and his teachings every time you share them with us and our listeners. I mean, he truly is potentially a future doctor of the church, yes. no doubt. Well, I'm really, telling you, he got so much blowback for this document. Nobody wanted to listen to it. Everybody thought that it was, you know, rigid. It was going to restrict academic freedom and all this kind of thing. And and he was he was in university life. I mean, this is a guy who who values uh, the academy. It's a, he's a man who values scholarship, who values research, who understands that every academic discipline has its own methods by which it does its research and conducts itself. But but all at the service of what? At the service of the truth. Right. And that's the part that was missed. And he brought that right in. And people also like, whoa, what are you talking about? The truth. Yeah. <laughs> what do you mean? What am I talking about? The truth. 
Yeah. It's, it's a Catholic school. Yeah. <laughs> so great. Great reflection. Thanks, Dave. Oh, you're welcome. Hey, everybody. This is Who's That Saint with me, Alanis, where I test your saint knowledge by giving you three clues from a saint's life for you to guess before the big reveal. Who's that saint? Starting off with clue number one. The saint is one of the OG apostles, so that narrows it down to 11. And he wrote five books of the Bible, all in the New Testament. Who's that saint? Clue number two. At Jesus' crucifixion, he was the only apostle who stayed at the foot of the cross. Who's that saint? Clue number three. The saint is believed to be the only apostle to die of natural causes. Last chance, who's that saint? Well, if you guessed St. John the Apostle, you're correct. The beloved disciple John was one of the 12 apostles of Jesus. He participated in the early life of the church in Jerusalem, traveled widely, and wrote five New Testament books, which include the Gospel of John, three epistles, and the Book of Revelation. He's believed to be the longest living apostle, and we celebrate his feast day on December 27th. St. John, pray for us. Our guest today is Father David Pavanka, Franciscan friar, third order regular. He is the president of Franciscan University of Steubenville. He has served for more than 30 years as a spiritual director, a retreat leader, and formation director. He also served as the director of the Franciscan Pathways. Father David Pavanka also launched the Ministry of the Wild Goose, which uses videos and speaking engagement to bring people to a newer and deeper relationship with God. Let's welcome Father David Pavanka. Well, Father, uh, thank you so much for uh, joining us here on our program. It's uh, it's exciting to meet you. Uh, as I shared with you before we started recording, we'd met before, and I was always very interested in your journey. So uh, before I get into certain questions pertaining to your work, uh, your background, uh, tell me a little bit about your, you growing up as a young child. Were you uh, Are you a convert? Uh, was your family devout? Uh, tell me how you became drawn to the Catholic faith and, and uh, you know, your relationship with Christ. Right. Yeah. So I was, I was raised Catholic. I always challenge people when they send out, when they say I was born and raised Catholic, it's like, nobody was born Catholic, right? We're all born little pagans and then somebody loves us and, and we receive <laughs> baptism. So uh, Catholic, the faith was always really important uh, in my family. My mother and father were uh, very faithful, loved the Lord. Christ was really at the center of their life, center of their marriage, um, which was just a tremendous blessing uh, to myself and my family. I raised in a small town in southwest Colorado, uh, Durango, which is just one of the most beautiful places in the world. And faith uh, was always really important for me in my own life. Uh, my mom and dad obviously shared the faith, and mom and dad discipled me. Uh, and fairly at a fairly young age, I made it my own. I think that's just as a side note that that's important for everybody, is that eventually there has to be this place that says, okay, I'm going to own this for myself. I'm going to believe, I'm going to follow because it's important to me, not because mom or dad says, or not because the priest says, but because it's important. Uh, and that's something I, decision I made fairly early, you know, um, junior high school and then high school. I uh, was really, I was always wondering and wrestling with whether or not it was called to be a priest. And the thought was always in the back of my mind. 
Uh, there are five boys and one girl in my family, and my parents uh, prayed, they said, every day of their married life, that for one of their kids would become a priest or a religious. And so I joked that me and my brothers, we pulled straws, and I mm-hmm. won or lost, or I lost, depending on how well their kids are behaving. Uh, yeah, and, and the thought about being a priest was always on my mind. So I started in a state school in Colorado uh, College, ended up taking a year off and spent a year with the organization called the NET Teams, or the National Evangelization Teams, and that's where I heard about Franciscan University, ended up transferring here, got my degree from Franciscan. Oh, wow. Came, yeah, I came back and worked here for a while and then just was brought back a number of years ago as the president. Was there a moment in your life where I guess maybe felt God in a very special way that you owned it for yourself? I know that you made a decision, but was there an epiphany? Was there a moment? Was there a sense of that the Lord was speaking with you? What was that like for you? Um, there was, yeah, and that's a good question. There was actually lots of them. Uh, mm. when, when I was te- when I was teaching, I actually would in- encourage the students, kind of like this road that we call our spiritual life. And what are those markers that were impactful for us? And, and honestly, the first thing I, I story I tell is actually when I was about five years old. Uh, we were at a campfire up in the mountains. It was a retreat, a family retreat. And so there were maybe I don't know fifty or sixty people there. And I remember just having this encounter with the Lord, looking. I was watching the embers go up into this into the sky and being a little kid again and had this profound understanding that there was a god and that wow. the god knew me like that he knew me that he saw me that it wasn't just this god of the universe that was kind of over this massive but it was very personal and um yeah i was i was five years old and, and then there were a number of occasions again we were involved, my mom and dad were involved in Curcio movement. So I made a Curcio when I was fairly young. I, when I was in high school, I led retreats. So there was, there was all kinds of opportunities. A significant one for me was also when I was on net. And that's when the Holy Spirit became more real for me. Well, well I, I now understand, obviously, the Holy Spirit animates everything. But the Holy Spirit is also a third person of the Trinity. So we, we talk about what is it to have a relationship with the Father? What is it to have a relationship with the Son? Well, we have, to have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. So there's a pretty profound experience when I was 20. Uh, again, largely a weekend retreat, that type of thing, uh, where the Holy Spirit became more um, alive to me, more alive in me. So... Yeah, there are, there are all kinds of experiences that I've had that have been building blocks to the, that have brought me to where I am right now. It's amazing. I mean, I too, when I was young, uh, you know, th- these uh, retreats, uh, mine was called Search for Christian Maturity. Yeah, yeah, you know, that's what that, that's what mine was as well. Yeah, it was modeled after Casio, and uh, it's just yeah. amazing the profound effect it had on young people. Uh, yeah. I almost have a yearning. I, I see that, I, I feel that that's a void in our culture today. Like, my kids didn't experience that. Uh, it was, it was a movement back in the 70s and the 80s, and uh I pray that these kinds of things happen, uh, at least in the Northeast. It really was powerful then and it kind of went away. So uh, it was a lot of, lot of the Holy Spirit was certainly moving in those years. I think that's what we're seeing. You know, I think at Franciscan, we obviously do youth conferences. Maybe not obviously, maybe some people don't know, but we do youth Fantastic. conferences yeah. across yeah, the country. Yeah. yeah, And we'll have 50, 60,000 young people go through. But again, it's it's just a, a weekend where people are invited, young people are invited to a relationship and encounter with the Lord. And those are really pivotal in people's lives. I mean, they look back to those experiences. Yeah. But mine was search as well. Mine was a search. I was part of the search team. Look at that. We have something to come. Let's see if we can find other things. You like music? 
Uh, I do. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Do you play an instrument? I do. I play guitar. Oh, wow. Okay. You know, I mean, yeah, that's what yeah. I am. I'm a musician. That's how okay. I started. And then I had a calling to to start this organization about 13 years ago uh, to evangelize through the culture, through music, through films, through uh, events. Um, but so you're a, you're a third order regular Franciscan. So uh, please explain Correct. what that is to our viewers. I know there are Capuchins and there are CFRs. We're very connected with the CFRs out here in, in northern New Jersey. Sure. Um, tell me what the differences are and what your order is. Yeah, so maybe just to kind of simplify that Francis started three orders. Uh, mm -hmm. We like to say it took Francis three times to get it right. Uh, some people would not <laughs> necessarily think that. But the, the, first, the first order is the Order of Friars Minor, and the focus is really um, minority poverty, you know. But within the first order, there's different branches, and this may be a little bit more than you asked for, but there's the OFMs, there's the OFM Capuchins, there's the OFM Conventuals. You mentioned the CFRs. The CFRs at one time were Capuchins, and they, they broke right. and created them. So the first order, that's part of their history, is, is really kind of refounding. Now, the second order is the Poor Clares, and their main charism is really contemplation, largely cloistered, um, praying and, and really being able to serve the Lord and serve the church in that capacity. The third order regular, our main charism is, is metanoia, it's conversion. This idea that we are called to continual conversion, kind of like what we were talking about earlier, that there were lots of experiences and mar lots of markers in my life that I drew into a deeper relationship with Jesus. That we... We fundamentally believe that that's not an experience that merely happens once, but we're called to continually experience conversion. Uh, again, not to get too deep in the woods, but before Francis actually started the Franciscans, he belonged to a, a, a movement at the time, much like Curcio, something like that. It was called the Order of Penitents, and it was really a group of, of men and women who were, who were uh, distanced from the church and then were coming back, kind of like an RCAE program where they come back, they did public penance, and then they were ultimately brought back into the life of the church. That was really what, where Francis drew to begin and create the third order, was these men and women, the relationships that he had with these penitents. And it was largely, Francis's thought was, if culture was going to be transformed, if the temporal order was going to be changed or converted, it need to happen from the inside. Authentic Catholic schools and the importance of Catholic education on this week's A Reason for Hope. As you hear the rest of this episode or previous or future episodes, don't miss out. Just go to our Podcast Central section at EWTNRadio.net and then know that each and every week we get to share and follow and subscribe so you don't miss what is up and coming. I'm Ace Wicking. I'm going to tuck tail and enjoy the rest of my Father's Day. Enjoy yours as well. I'll see you back next week. Remember to let God define who you are, and we'll do it again with Catholics Coast to Coast. <laughs>